Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. Smile, everyone. Amen. Everyone, smile. Look to somebody and smile real big and say, it's good to see you this morning. Smile at Sunday, that's right. Um, I'd like for everyone, and I'd like to see a, a show of hands on this. How, how many of you, would uh, we uh, leave for... Uh, our Israel trip in four weeks and a day, and we're 29 days away now, and uh, I'm real excited. I've been working for about a month and a half on a on a journal workbook for each spot, about 47 pages that I'm done with that. I'm working on the messages. I'll preach about 27 messages, about 10 minutes long over there, and Holly's been working on the music, but um, I, I've been enough to know we need to be covered in prayer, and uh, how many of you would, would would be willing to start praying right now and even during the duration of the trip for just safe traveling mercies, that things go well, that the Spirit of God just move upon everyone, the anointing be there? I'd like to see a showing of hands. How many of you will join? This is a congregation. Even though if you may not be going, you could still pray and intercede on behalf of those that are. And uh, it's going to be a life-changing experience for, for those that are going. Amen. And uh, so I just want to invoke your prayer. I also want to want to share a, a really cool win. Um, good morning. Um, we uh, last week we had a young man named Scott who came here with Alan Ken about I guess a little over a month ago, and um, he gave his heart to the Lord in the lobby. Church was way over; almost everybody had filtered out, and he was in the lobby, and he started talking with Holly. And Holly led him uh, to the Lord a little over a month ago in the lobby, somewhere close to the noon hour after everyone had already left. And he was deeply touched, and uh, he told Alan Ken last week, he said, man, I've, I've got to go to church. So Alan loaded him up, and they, we came here, and, and they worshiped. And uh, Dale Kane stopped him, everyone that you waved at just a minute ago, stopped him before he got on the elevator and said, hey, man, it's great to see you, Scott. How are you? And then Scott, they, they wound up getting in a conversation, and he said, hey, he said, I'm going to be going to New York. He's on a construction company for about six weeks, and he's battling some addictions, trying to get victory over that. And, and Dale said, hey, man, do you have a Bible? He said, well, no, I don't. So Dale brought some Bibles out, and he said, here, pick whichever one you like. And, uh, and he did, and, and so Scott was going to start reading. And, and Scott looked at him, and he said, man, he said, I want to tell you, he said, you just made my day. He said, I can't tell you how much I needed today and needed this and taking the word with him on as he goes out on the word working, uh, the road working. I want to tell you, the Spirit of God is moving in our church. There are people being saved. There, there are people being saved in here. Amen. There's, there's prodigal sons and daughters. There's backsliders that are coming home. There are people that are getting healed. You, you heard the testimony just a couple of weeks ago from Sister Ethel. She was dead, and now here she is alive. Amen. She was legally had died, and now she's like, Ethel, can, do you have the strength to stand up? I want you to stand up. I know everybody heard your testimony two weeks ago, but, but there's an example of a dead woman that God said, no, I'm going to bring life. <laughs> Amen. That's incredible. <laughs> Praise and glory to God. So, so I want to just tell you God is moving. And before I get into the message today, which I'm very excited about, um, I just want to tell you, listen, um, I don't want you thinking because we're in a theater that God's not moving. The Spirit of God is moving. I don't, I don't want you thinking, well, when we get our building, then we'll really see the Spirit of God move. That's, that's not how God works. Amen? God would not put us here and then say, oh, well, I got you there now, but I can't move in the confines of this theater or in the time restraints you have, so <laughs> you guys are on your own. 
He doesn't do that. Amen. He's here with us. He placed us here with us, and he knows where we're at. He knows what we're dealing with, and he is still moving. Amen. We are still seeing people get free from addictions and bondages. We are seeing the Spirit of God move. Amen. I, I want to just encourage you and tell you this morning, we don't, we don't have to have a building. God, we are in a building. God is moving right here among us. Amen. Is, is, that, is that cool? Praise God. And let me just, just share with you this, because I, I, I get questions. Of, hey, when are we going to move? When are we going to move? When are we going to move? Let me, let me just tell you, I've been walking with God now. I've been doing full-time ministry for 21 years. God has never failed to speak to me yet. God has led me time and time again. And when God goes silent, that is not the time to move or make any changes. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, from, the, from, from fasting and praying, I, when I do fasting and praying, I, I, do, I seriously fast and pray. And I continue a lifestyle of that. And I can tell you it's not from a lack of praying. It's not from a lack of seeking God, trying to hear God's voice. I'm just telling you, when it comes to where our church is now in this theater, versus land and moving and buying a building, I'm telling you, we have a realtor every week looking. We're looking. God is silent to me. He has not spoken a word. He is silent to me. He's silent to the elders. None of us have heard God say, that's your building or that's your land. And until we hear from that, we just cannot move forward. Amen? When God, when the time and the season is ready, I promise you, He will speak to myself and the elders, and He'll confirm it through you as a church body. Amen? That's the way God works. And right now, He's silent. And when God is silent... That's when you remain the same. You do what you know to do, and you don't make changes. Otherwise, you might create an Ishmael. And we don't want that, amen? We want God's perfect will. We don't want God's okay will. We don't want, well, I really didn't want you to do that, but okay, I'll, I'll see what I can do to fix your mistake. We want God's perfect will, amen? I'm praying and believing God, and I'm fasting every week, and believing God to say, that's where you're supposed to be. And when that happens... It'll register in all of our spirits. Amen. Until then, we're going to come in here and we're going to see the Spirit of God come fall fresh on us and move and continue to see souls saved. I think it was 57 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ in this theater last year. Amen. Amen. Where's Tracy? Is he downstairs? Is Tracy, Tracy, stand up. I'm going to call you out. God healed Tracy and Karen's marriage and restored their marriage right here in this theater. Amen. God's saving people. He's healing marriages. He's filling people with the Holy Ghost. He's delivering, bringing, bringing freedom from bondages. How many of you, since we've been in this theater, you have been delivered from some kind of, whether it's a, a bondage, an addiction, some type of thinking, some kind of something that you've been set free from? I know I have. Stand up, if you will. If that's you, if you've been freed from something since we've been in this theater, stand up. I'm standing. Look around, church. Look around, church. God's moving. God's moving. The Spirit of God is here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give Jesus one big shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Yes. Aren't you glad God's not bound by anything that we're bound by? He can still move. Amen. Well, today I want to preach the third message in this, in this series called Don't Get Fleeced. <laughs> Poke your neighbor and say, Don't Get Fleeced. 
You know, Gideon got the call from God, and last week we talked about how he made a stand for God. How many of you want to make a stand for God and for right living? Amen. Well, today I'm going to tell you, and I, I'm not just flippantly saying this. This, I'm telling you, God is going to speak to you today. I am so excited to bring this word to you. He has a word for you today. Poke your neighbor and say, God's going to speak to you today. Amen. I'm telling you, this may be one of the most important messages you've ever heard. I know you hear me say it, but I'm, I'm telling you, it's deep down in my spirit. You're, you're going to want to get this deep down in your spirit and put into practice what I'm going to preach today. Amen? All right. Don't get fleeced. If you will, stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to go to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We're going to go all the way to the bottom, the last five verses, verses 36 through 40. And uh, we're kind of going in order here. We also have the version notes. Uh, for those of you that like to take notes, you can pull up version, And uh, you'll see the scriptures. And you'll see that you can make your notes. And then you hit save at the end. And you'll always have them to refer to. All right. Judges chapter 6, uh, verse 36 through 40. Everybody there, shout out a good amen. All right. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised. So God's already spoken to him. Look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. Verse 38, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Verse 39 through 40, then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. Father, thank you so much for your word, your presence. Thank you that you're moving among us. And now, Lord, I pray you speak to us. I pray you would anoint me to speak forth your word. Not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I thank you for the word that you've given me today, and I'm so excited. I pray it fall in the good soil of our hearts and go and bear forth fruit in our lives, O oh Lord. Let this, let this seed bear fruit. Let it, let it explode in our spirits. Lord, I'm asking you, Father God, anoint me to preach not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Lord, we pray for our, our government, God, that get something figured out up in Washington. But I pray ultimately you bring a great revival to our nation. From the White House to... to to the homeless, to everyone in between. God, bring a revival in our hearts. Bring a revival. Bring a great awakening to our country. Back to you again. Lord, unify us as a people that go after you and to lift your name on high. God, I'm crazy enough to ask you to put the word of God and the Ten Commandments in prayer back in our government, back in our public schools, back in our courtrooms and our public places, God, where the name of Jesus can be lifted up on high, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would move mountains for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears. Anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. <clears throat> oh. 
A man thought his wife was hard of hearing. So he decided to test it all out. And One day she was sitting in the living room with her back to him. And so he stood at the other end of the living room and he said, can you hear me? And she didn't respond. He got a little closer. He said, can you hear me? She didn't respond. He got right up behind her and he said, can you hear me? To which she whirled around and she said, for the third time I said yes. Have you ever wondered, why is God not speaking to me? Why, why, has, why has he grown silent in my life? Have you ever wondered, what is, what is God's will in this situation? What, did, did, God, did, did God really say to do this? I mean, I, I think I've heard from God, but I, I guess I just need a little assurance. Was that really God? Have you ever faced that war of faith and fear and doubt within yourself as to, did God really say because that's the original temptation from the enemy. Did God really say? Ever been there before? Has anybody just said, man, I think that was God. I'm not sure. And you wonder, or you're praying about something, and he's very, very silent about it. Here in, uh, here in Judges chapter 6, Gideon doesn't have that problem. The angel of the Lord, the Bible says, came down physically and started talking to Gideon. Gideon knew exactly what God wanted to do, but Gideon was afraid. He was battling fear. And so Gideon was not using the fleece to try to determine God's will or discover it because he already knew what God wanted him to do. He was trying to get a confirmation because of the fear and unbelief in his life. And so point number one is very simply this. God still speaks to us today. Poke your neighbor and say, God still speaks to us today. Dr. Mark Rutland was on an airplane, and he struck up a conversation with the guy next to him. And, and uh, he asked the guy, he says, what do you, uh, the guy asked him, he says, what do you do? He says, well, I'm university president at Southeast University, but God just spoke to me and said to go to Or, or, or Roberts University. And he said, God spoke to you. He said, God doesn't speak to anybody outside of the Word of God anymore. Just like that. He said, hmm. he said well, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I pastor a church, name the name of the church. Dr. Rutland, in his wisdom, said, oh, yeah? He said, well, how'd you know to go pastor? Because <laughs> there's nowhere in the scriptures that it says, so-and-so go pastor. In other words, the man, the man lost his own argument. I want to tell you something. God still speaks to us today. Yes, he speaks through his word, and that's the number one way, but God still speaks today. I want you just to close your eyes for a minute in your own way. I want you to say, thank you, God. For speaking to me today. Amen. If you need to hear from God. He's here to speak to you today. Now what Gideon did. Was he was looking for a confirmation. Or an assurance of God's presence. And his empowerment in the situation. Exodus 33. 15 through 16. Says it this way. Then Moses said to him. I love this. If your presence does not go with us. Do not send us up from here. In other words. God said. Hey, I'm going to give you the promised land, but I'm not going. Moses said, oh, no, no, I've had all of Egypt and what the world has to offer ain't cutting it. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You have to understand, Gideon knew exactly what God had told him to do. He was looking at the angel of the Lord. They were talking face to face. He was speaking. It wasn't a thought in his mind. It wasn't a wonder. It was very clear what Gideon was supposed to do. So in him throwing this fleece out, 
was really an expression of unbelief. It was really, I know what I saw, I know what I heard, but I'm fearful, I have low self-esteem, I, I don't, I'm just not sure that this can be done. God, I need you to help me out here. Now, before Gideon asked for the sign, God made his will very clear. So the first fleece he throws out, he says, here's what we're going to do, God. I want the whole threshing floor to be dry and the fleece to be wet. Now, threshing floors then and still are circular and open air. So when he gets up in the morning, he sees that it's done. Maybe in his mind, he thinks, well, that was simple because uh, wool fleeces will attract moisture. And then the air blowing through the circular and open uh, air threshing floor would probably dry the ground. So, you know, that could, be, that could be something natural. So the next day he says, God, please don't be angry with me, but I'm going to ask this one more thing. This time I want the floor to be wet and the fleece will dry. I mean, that's, that's, that's anti-natural. That would have to be a God thing. Well, the next morning he wakes up. And sure enough, it's just like he said. So he fears, well, you know what? God must really be in this. Although he actually asked for another sign beyond that. But the point is, evidently God, because Gideon was immature in hearing from God, he was immature in his faith, God God coddled him, so to speak, and God granted him what he wanted. And in the Old Testament, it happened many times, even in the New Testament to some degree. The servant of Abraham in Genesis 24, 14. Here's a few examples. May it be, this was uh, Abraham's servant when he goes to find Isaac a wife. May it be when I say to a young woman, please down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So he throws out this fleece prayer trying to determine the will of God. Well, Rebecca comes and does exactly what he prays for. And then the story goes on. She decides she'll marry Isaac. So that's one case where you see this. You also have a situation in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10 through 14 with King Ahaz. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Switch the thing. Yep. Ask the Lord your God for a sign. Now, this is God speaking to a pagan king here. And he's inviting him. I want you to ask for a sign. Because outside forces were about to destroy him. And God is trying to teach him, hey, I want to show you. I'm going to give you a sign that God's going to spare Jerusalem. So he's asking this wicked pagan king of Judah to ask for a sign. He says, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to a test. So God responds and says, then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, verse 13, what will be the sign, switch the prompts if you will, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go backwards ten steps? So, so you see there kind of what he's, what he's saying. Then, he's, then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. It is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So you find another time where they throw a fleece out, if you will. God is daring him. I want you to ask for a sign in this case. Now you also find in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, with Hezekiah. Hezekiah asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, the Lord signed to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? Well, 
Hezekiah, being a, a, a bright man, says, well, going forward 10 steps is not anything. It naturally goes that way. I want the shadow to go backwards. I want time to go backwards. It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps. Rather have it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow to go back 10 steps. It had gone down to the stairway of Ahaz. Now, I want to tell you that there have been times in my life that in my immaturity and knowing the Lord that I asked for fleeces to be done. I'll never forget when God called me into ministry. I had been seeking God. I hadn't been that long delivered from stealing cable as I talked to you last week. And I was really, really catching fire for God. And, and, uh, and, and the Lord spoke to me when I couldn't, get a, I couldn't get anything settled in my spirit about anything. I had all kinds of different opportunities. I, I, I had a degree in business. I, I could have done a number of different things. But nothing felt right. Nothing, I couldn't get peace about anything. And finally one day God said, I want you to go in youth ministry. And it was like I was blown away. There was all these emotions and feelings all at once. One was deep satisfaction, like, yes, that's what I'm supposed to do. There's, there's the peace in me. But then there was also the fear. There was I had never taught a lesson in my life. I didn't know anything about ministry. I, I didn't know my wife, how she respond, because when we first got married, they played a game, where will the Howards be in 10 years? And I can remember that about 75% of them said, oh, they'll be married and, ha- and with three or four kids, and they'll be pastoring the church. And I, I can remember hitting my hand on the table, belly laughing, and going, I'll never be a preacher. And then right behind me, Holly hit her hand on the table and laughed and belly laughed and said, and I'll never be a preacher's wife. <laughs> never say never, brothers and sisters. Amen. So I had all these things come back to my mind. And so I, I, the one thing I knew to do was I was like, I was petrified. I said, God, you're going to have to confirm this twice. I don't know, so all I could think about was Gideon. And, and in my immaturity in walking with God and in his grace, he did grant it. The first time I was at the church, and here come this associate pastor, big church, and he's praying for people at the altar on a Sunday night, and I, he, he'd look at me, and he'd walk away, and then he'd look at me, and, I, and finally I said, what? He, he said, I don't normally do this, but I feel like God's told me to tell you, you know what God has called you to do. And to accept anything else is a compromise. And I said, wow, you know, I'm not a compromising type person. So, so, man, I'm feeling my courage up. I get in the car and I said, Holly, I need, you, I need to tell you something. She says, what? Man, I lay it all out for her. I get all the way to the confirmation. I said, so there's that. I said, we're called in the ministry. And you'll have to know, Holly, she knew the guy that had just quit stealing cable and had just quit drinking and all these other things. And she said, she laughed. She laughed in my face. She said, ha, 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 God ain't called you to nothing. <laughs> she gets her phone out, calls her mom, says, you ain't going to believe this one. Dallas thinks he's calling the ministry. I hear through the phone, ha, 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 ha. You know, I'm driving the car, and I'm getting lower and lower, you know. The steering wheel is getting higher and higher. So I said, well, God, you're going to have to give us a better confirmation to win her over. Amen. I know what you called me to do, but you're going to have to do something big. Well, a few weeks later, we're on our way to a marriage retreat in Tennessee, and uh, we're a, a month from graduation, college graduation. And we're downtown Nashville, and we're walking around looking for a place to eat, and this homeless guy asked for some change. I didn't have change, and I, so I said, I don't have any change to give you. We went on. We were another couple. We came back through, same guy, same question, about from here to the door, I stopped. We're at a light. We're looking for a place to eat, and I'm telling you, the Lord just spoke to me so clear. He said, go feed that man. 
I said, hey, God just spoke to me and said, go feed this guy. So I went over to him. I said, sir, are you hungry? He was sitting in the floor. Stood up, alcohol of his breath. He said, man, I'm starved. I said, well, I ain't giving you no money because you just buy booze. But if you're really hungry, there's McDonald's across the street. I'll buy you something to eat. Yeah, that'll be, man, I'm so hungry. Right, come on. So we go across the street. We stand about three or four people in line. And we're standing there, and I'm talking to him, and his speech is slurred, and you name it. And here comes this other homeless lady, and she, she calls his name James, and they're talking right in front of me. And she says, what are you doing here, James? And James looks at me, and he says, this guy right here is nice enough to buy me something to eat. Now, I've never met either one of these people in my life. She looks at me, and she says, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, well, yes, ma'am, I am. Two things that I kept praying, God, you're going to have to confirm my calling, and how, who's, who's going to hire me? I don't know the first thing about ministry. All I can do is share a story. Who's going who's gonna to make room for me? You know, the Bible says he'll make room for your calling. Amen? And I said, well, who's going to do this? How's the door going to open? And she looks me right in the eye and she says, you know, God called you in the ministry and he told me to tell you he's about to open the door. I'm stunned. She walks away. This guy looks at me. His speech clears up. He looks me straight in the eye and he says, matter of fact, God called you in the youth ministry and he said he's about to open the door. I'm like, man, God's talking through a drunk homeless guy. Well, he can talk through a donkey. I guess he can talk through one of them, amen? Man, I come out and I tell Holly and she still doesn't believe me. I'm like, I don't know what else to tell you, God. You're going to do something here. We get back to the church, and our pastor, man, he hears the story. He brings me on stage. He tells me, tells, he says, I believe God has called this young couple. I'm with it. We're going to pray for them and send them out in the name of the Lord. We get in the car, and Holly does like this. I said, what? She said, well, I guess if Pastor Williams believes you, I guess I'll have to. But I ain't got to like it. Now you couldn't beat her out of ministry, amen, right? So, so God, God does honor. I'm probably in big trouble after that one. I'm glad I have an Israel meeting after this so we let things calm down a minute. Easy, easy. <laughs> She's telling me I got to go home, amen. Well, I might be staying somewhere tonight. Anybody, can I spend the night? <laughs> Sonny, I got to take her. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, how does, how does New Testament, how, does, how do fleeces and signs and wonders work in the New Testament? I mean, does it, does it work? But I want to tell you something. I don't know why God did it. I guess because he knew that we, I, I needed assurance that this was with God. But listen, God does not, does not, provide for asking for signs and fleeces in the New Testament. Matthew 4, 5 through 7, you find the devil trying to get Jesus with this. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here Jesus rightly refuses this crazy fleece prayer that the devil's trying to throw out his way. And he's trying to suck him into this. There is a difference between hearing from God and asking God to confirm something. God, God's okay with that in the New Testament. 
What is very, very dangerous in our times in the New Testament is to throw out a fleece prayer trying to determine the will of God like we're casting lots. And I want to describe the two to you. What is not okay is to ask for signs and fleeces in the New Testament era as a way of hearing God speak. Does that make sense? There's a difference between that and I've heard from God and God, I just, I just need a little confirmation. God's okay with that and in coming weeks, I'll flesh that out. But, but for today, the people of the Old Testament, why is it not okay? The people of the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit to speak to them like we do. John 10, 27, here's what he says very clearly. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. No, there means that we keep his commandments. Follow means in the same way with. It doesn't say my sheep, my sheep hear my promptings or they see my signs. It says my sheep hear my voice. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with asking for confirmation once you've heard the voice of God. But what is very dangerous in the New Testament era and with our day to day is to just throw some fleece prayer out like we're shooting craps at a table and say, well, let's just see what happens here. Because God said he will speak. Someone say amen. Should we put out fleeces to determine the will of God today? No, no, no. Fleeces usually work something like this. Well, God, if, if I'm going to do this, then let this happen. Or God, open or close this door and we'll see kind of what happens there. And, and let me tell you why that's dangerous. The problem with that is, is that the devil can also open and close doors. So how do you know if it was God that opened the door or the devil? Because the devil will open up wrong doors as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4 says this. You've got to stay with me the rest of this message because I'm telling you, this can be a life-changing thing. How many have ever made a wrong decision that affected you for years? How many of you know we need to hear God's voice? When you go by God's voice, you never, you never mess up. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. This is a great scripture to pray for lost loved ones. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, what you need to do is, I bind the goddess world from blinding my loved one from being lost. And I ask you, God, to open the eyes of my loved one to see the gospel. Amen? That's a great prayer for Here's, here's another one that proves what I'm saying. Ephesians 2.2. 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Listen, this is the devil's territory. So if we say a crazy prayer like, you know what? God, if you want me to move to Seattle, Washington, open Chris Vincent's front door. You may drive by and Chris may open his front door because he's going to check the mail. So you say, well, God must have been in this. You buy your ticket, sell your house, and move to Seattle only to fall flat on your face and say, God, I thought you opened the door when Chris Vincent opened his door. And God says, hey, Chris Vincent opened the door because he lived there. He was going to check the mail. Listen, we have got to hear the voice of God. That's why I'm not praying, God, just give me a sign for where our church is supposed to go. I'm praying, God, speak to me and tell me. This is where you're to go. And if I have truly heard from God, without a doubt, that will resonate in our elders and that will resonate in your spirit. Amen? And we will know and set out knowing we have heard from God. Isn't that the much better way than to just say, hey, 
uh, you know, let's just see, maybe open a door and we get in the wrong spot. We need to hear God's voice. And I want to tell you something. God still speaks to us today. I don't know what you need to hear from God. How many of you have an issue, something you're dealing with, a question you're trying to answer, and you're praying, how many to hear from God? How many of you? We all do. Amen. God still speaks today. And, and listen, the devil can move in the sense realms. God has a better way of, of leading his children than through hit and miss fleece prayers like they did sometimes in the Old Testament. The New Testament does not say as many as are led by fleeces, they are the children of God. It says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. How are we led by the Spirit of God? He speaks to us and He directs our paths. Amen? Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. That means if I've got the voice of God, listen, I can deal with anything if I know God's the one that's led it. I can go anywhere if God says this is where you're supposed to go. We can deal with anything if we know God is with us because if God be for us, who can be against us? Is this registering with everybody? Now listen, Gideon was not a prophet or a priest or a king. Uh, there was only three offices in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God really came on and spoke to. He was none of them. So the Spirit of God was personally not present with the rest of the people. That's why it's very dangerous for New Testament Spirit-filled Christians to put out fleeces. In Gideon's case, while God did honor his fleece prayer, and God honored mine and my call to the ministry, it was nevertheless unnecessary. Why? Because the angel of God spoke to him face to face and told him what to do. How more obvious is God's will than that? It was, it was confirmation of what God had already said. It was, he wasn't trying to cast lots to figure out the will of God. He already knew it. He was asking for confirmation. So, in the New Testament, here's the good news, brothers and sisters. We don't have to cast lots. We don't have to throw dice at the table. We don't have to wonder and throw out fleeces. We can simply ask God and He will answer us. How beautiful is that? How many of you, when you've heard from God and you know you've heard from God, you're, man, it's like a shot out of a cannon. You're ready to march the hill. Amen? Psalm 119.105 says this. I'm very passionate about this. I'm very passionate. Look, God is always going to speak to us. Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Everybody say a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many Christians are stumbling around in the dark because they aren't turning on the light of God's Word in their life? Light dispels darkness. There's not a fight and a struggle, guys. The guys and gals, there's not, a, there's not a struggle. Light doesn't say to dark light, darkness. Light doesn't say, well, I'm going to get you out in Jesus' name. No. When light shows up, darkness what? Phew. There's no war, there's no fighting, there's no nothing. So what we really need to do is get the light of God's word down in our spirit to push the darkness out. Somebody say amen. amen. There's no, it immediately happens. It's, it's like, you know, for those of you that are 30 and under, you'll have no idea what I'm about to say. But for those of us that have a little bit of age on us, you used to have to take pictures with film. Yeah, what? 
And you would take the little 35 millimeter film when it was all done, and you would take it to Walmart, and they would print it for you, come back a few days later, and you would get it. Or if you were like me, I had a photography class in, in, in school, there was no digital, and we had a dark room, and you would t- take the pictures, and you would put the, the pictures in this little solution in a dark room, you had a red light on, and you would wait for, but if somebody opened the door, let light in, it would ruin the pictures, right? The light would ruin the pictures. The light would ruin the photographs. Hear me now. If there is darkness in your life, expose it to the light of God's Word, and it will ruin the darkness. If you have taken pictures in your mind of stuff you shouldn't have, pornography and other things that you should never have been a part of, If you will expose your mind constantly to the Word of God, to the light of His Word, it will dispel the darkness. You've got to hear me. It's not a struggle and a fight. You know, if I get enough Word, I'm going to just, there's a struggle there. No, no, no. When you get the Word, the light of God's Word, the lamp to my feet and the light into my path, in my mind and my spirit, it immediately pushes that stuff out. Somebody needs a shout of good glory on that. Amen. Luke eleven thirty three through 34 says it this way. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but in a lampstand, that those who come may see the light. The lamp is the body of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. One guy came to a pastor. They were just talking in the hall. And he said, Pastor, he said, I've, I can't get free from lust and these vile images in my mind. I just can't get free. The pastor said, yes, you can. He said, no, you don't understand the things I've seen. You don't understand things, the things I've done. He said, I, can I really get free? The pastor said, yes. Do you really want to get free? He said, yes. The pastor said this. He said, darkness has entered your body. And your body is full of darkness because you've looked at it. You've let it in. He said, now I need you to fill your body with light. And he showed him Luke 11, what we just read there, verse 33 and 34. He showed him that if you put light in, your body's full of light. He said, here's what I want you to do, brother or sister. I want you to see how simple this is. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you for the next 30 days to read your Bible for 30 minutes a day. That's it. He said, that's it. He said, that's it. 30 minutes a day for 30 days. He said, I promise you, you'll be delivered and set free. As a matter of fact, if you read the New Testament for 30 minutes a day, you'll read it in two months. Just 30 minutes a day. The pastor came back to him in a month and he said, said, you're not going to believe this. He said, I can't believe the difference. He said, not only do I not have those photographs in my mind, not only do I not have all that lewdness in there, he said, I find myself at night now with godly thoughts. And I'm thinking about the word. He said, man, I've been set free. I can't believe just reading the Bible 30 minutes a day set me free. He said, I can. It's, it's now full of light. And light dispels darkness. He saw the pastor about six months later. He said, you're not going to believe what happened to me. He said, my wife and I went. She talked me into going to this chick flick. He said, they had a scene in there that wasn't supposed to be in there. He said, but you know, he said, what used to attract me now repulses me. And he said, I refused to look at it and I was disgusted by it. He said, I can't believe how far I've come since I put the light of God's word in my mind and spirit. Someone shout amen. 
It's that simple, brothers and sisters. Look, God speaks to us through His Word. Point number two. Everybody say, God speaks to me through His Word. Look, the number one way God speaks to us is through His Word. It's through His Word. A voice in your head can be God, it can be yourself, and it can be the devil. Right? Never just listen. Hear me. Please listen. Never, never, never just listen to what someone else has to say and take that as the gospel. A person's word from God for you should never inform you. It should only confirm. We had this one crazy guy in our area in Georgia. And he just, he was just, he was a vulgar, nasty fleshly spirit about him and he had been to every church in the whole area and he had he had caused so many problems he would go up to single girls and he'd say god told me you're gonna be my wife well some of these ladies would fall for it they'd marry the crazy guy he'd either kick them out of the house or they'd have enough disgust from him that they would they uh, they would leave him and he had done this from church to church and caused total destruction well he had first come to our church before i'd gotten there and then i heard Everybody kept telling me, he's coming back this Sunday. He's coming back this Sunday. So, you know, I'm preparing for this, for this lunatic. And so he comes in the door, and I got two elders with me in the hallway. And he walks up, and first thing flies out of me. Pastor, God told me to tell you you're going to be on TBN. I thought, I said, well, uh, I said, I have no desire to be on TV. And I said, I don't even like TBN. So I said, I do not receive that as a word from God. You know, it's okay to do that. And I said, furthermore, I've heard of your reputation. And I said, I want to tell you something. I said, I'm very protective. And I'm, if you want to know where the pastor in me comes out, it's protecting the flock. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, you're not going to go talking to my young ladies with all this stuff about God told me you're my wife and all this stuff. I said, you're not doing that here. He said, well, can I worship? I said, sure, you can worship. I said, but I said, you're to sit with men only. I said, I better not catch you sitting next to a lady. I said, you sit with men. I, said, I got two elders right here. I said, you sit with them. You hear me? He said, okay. And he said, well, I said, and furthermore, I said, before you go off, I said, as a matter of fact, not only are you not sitting next to any ladies in this church, I said, you are not under any circumstances to talk to a lady in this church. I said, because I don't trust you. Because I know you've been in five or six churches, and I've talked to the pastor, and I know the mass destruction you've created. And I said, it's my only way to let you worship here and protect my flock. Man, I'm very serious about this. And he said, well, he said, you mean if God tells me, so what if God tells me something for that young lady? And man, I don't know what came over me. I just flew off the hand. I said, God don't tell you nothing in this church. <laughs> Probably wasn't the best thing to say. But anyways, I was young. I didn't know what to say, you know. So he goes, sits down. Well, sure enough, come right to me after church. My, our associate pastor who was helping with music and everything else, he comes to me and he said, hey, man, this crazy guy comes to my niece. And he said, first thing he said, God told me you're going to be my wife. So we pulled him out after service. I said, did I not make myself clear? Yeah. I said, why did you tell her that? Well, God told me. I said, God told you nothing in this church. I said, let me tell you something. I said, when you hit them doors right there, I said, don't ever come back. I said, you are not ransacking my ladies. You are not ransacking my children. You are not ransacking this church. I see the wolf in sheep's clothing. I gave you specific instructions. You're not terrorizing my church like you have others. Hit the door and don't ever come back. And I may sound harsh to you, but let me tell you something. I am very fiercely protective over you. I don't bring jack legs in here to just give you any old junk. 
We're not going to have speakers come in here and give you a bunch of fluff. We're not going to do. We're going to protect the sheep. Amen. And I will protect our single ladies and our children, especially. Someone say a good amen. That's a good place to say amen. A woman was said to have gone to John Osteen, and she said, a brother spoke to me and said, the Lord's sending you to Africa. John Osteen said, well, you better take that brother with you if you decide to go. You won't know when to come back. When God was dealing with me about leaving youth ministry and going to pastoring, God began to really deal with me. And I, I was terrified. I thought, well, I can do youth ministry. I can't, I'm not. And I, every Sunday I would see myself preaching. I would see myself leading. And, and I thought I was being rebellious. I thought, I love my pastor. I'm not trying to take his job. I don't know what's going on. I didn't understand. And I went on a 40-day fast. That wasn't total food, but it just 40 days. And in that time, I sought God deeply. And I, I was talking to Holly, and we were praying and seeking God. And uh, right towards the end of the fast, the pastor, we worked at the school, the Christian schools, and the pastor there. And, and so what we did was um, uh, we lived in the church parsonage. We had two little girls. At the time, Haley was two and Caitlin was five. We lived in the church parsonage. We worked at the church and at the Christian school that they had. All our income, our livelihood, our house, everything was tied with that. And God's dealing with me about going to pastor. The pastor puts out teacher intentions. Sign up if you're going to be back next year. Well, I, I, I knew I wasn't. It was either yes or I'm not sure or no. Well, I started to check I'm not sure. And I thought, well, he's going to fire me. This is a tough guy. And he was. So I checked off yes. Oh, man, when I did... I've never been so convicted in all my life. In fact, God spoke to me and said, you liar. Now, that's not good when God does that. Let me just tell you. So I scratched it out and put, I'm not sure. Well, by the end of the school day, here, here he comes. I need to speak to you immediately. What's going on? So I gave him the whole deal, and I could see by his face, and I could just feel it. I knew, man, I'm toast. But before I checked that off, I said, well, he'll fire me, God. Here's what the Lord did to me. He said, go to 1 Samuel 16. I thought, what does that have to do with it? He's 1 Samuel 16. So I went there. Uh, he said, start reading in verse 1. So I did. I said, and the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, this is where the Lord stopped me, verse 2. How can I go if Saul hears about it? He will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. The Lord didn't respond. When I got to that verse right there, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, now who are you going to fear more? Disobeying what I've told you to do or what you think that man can do to you? I said, well, Lord said, you put it that way. Scratched out yes, and I wrote, not sure. But sure enough, sure enough, he got together, got the elders they basically said, we're going to give you a week and a half to move out and get lost, basically. So you're going to take all of our money, kick us out of the house, give us nine days is what it was, and hit the road. That's real godly. Amen? But in about three days, God opened a door and put us in Bremen, Georgia to pastor a church. And for a couple of months, I was bitter even after being in that church. I, I mean, I wanted to, I want, I just, if I'm on, I want to beat that guy down for what he did. I mean, you could throw my girls out in the, in the, you could kick us out of the house, take our money and our livelihood, take food off my girl's table because I told you I felt like I was going to pastor. I even told the guy, hey, I'll stay to the end of school year and then after that I'll leave. You know, it was February. 
And you're, you're going to do that to me? And I'm, I'm just, the flesh was rising up. And after about two months of being in Bremen pastoring, the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, son, you brought this on yourself. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you are bound and determined to wait to the end of the school year because in your mind that was the right thing. But he said, don't you realize Bremen wasn't open in the summer, it was open now and my will was for you to be there now. And I used him as my servant to get you where you were supposed to be because you wouldn't listen. Oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I almost called to God and apologized for everything I thought bad about him. Amen. Look, you can get into the Word of God by coming to church services like this, by going to starting point, by coming to connecting point, by going to small groups. We have fabulous small groups. At least mine are. I love mine. Amen. Do, to, they, to help they, to the, these help you stay in the Word and create accountability. But if you want to hear from God, you're going to have to get quiet and still before Him. Psalm 46 and 10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Look, before refrigerators, they had ice houses. How many know what I'm talking about an ice house, right? It was no windows. It was thick walls, tight-fitting door. And, and they would wait for the river or the creeks or the, or the lake to freeze over. And they would cut ice blocks. And they would take it in, cover it in sawdust. And, and it would last a lot of times till summer. One guy was working in there and lost his watch. And he looked for it and couldn't find it. His friends helped look for it and he couldn't find it. A little boy heard about it, and so when they went to lunch at the noon hour, he came in, and just within a few minutes, he came out with the guy's watch. He said, here, here you go, mister, here's your watch. The guy said, man, how did you find that watch? He said, well, I closed the door when everybody was gone. He said, I laid in the floor, and I got real still, and before long, I heard the ticking of the watch. If you want to hear from God, you've got to get still. Get all the noise out and listen for the voice of God. Amen? Look, if you feel like you are not hearing from God, draw close to Him. James 4, it says it this way. Watch what James 4. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Everybody say drift. Drifting is a nautical image here. Just give me a couple more minutes and we'll close this out. The phrase give earnest heed was actually a technical term for bringing a ship into port. Now, those ships then were powered by oars and by wind. So a captain's expertise was challenged by controlling a large ship, bringing it into harbor, and putting it perfectly in dock. There was no reverse engines. So if you came too fast at the dock, you'd crash into it. But if you went too slow and didn't have enough speed, you would drift by the dock and miss your target. Drifting here, and what he's saying is, is that we can drift from God and His Word. It's like a radio station. You're in Cincinnati, you drive to St. Louis. Guess what? As you're listening, you hear the DJs clearly, but the further out of town you get, what happens? They start to break up, the static increases, until eventually all you hear is static. That's what happens when we drift away from God. God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a hearing tune in problem. He is speaking, but are we within range of His frequency? Are we hearing the transmission? And are we being still and quiet enough to hear what God is saying? Someone say, say a good amen. If you are needing to hear from God, ask God to give you a scripture. 
God will give you a scripture that is congruent with the Bible and within context of the Bible. One of the greatest things I learned, and I challenge all of you to do this, my first Bible class in college, the professor is one of the greatest things I ever did. He said, it was on the four Gospels. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to read the Gospels from start to finish without a break. If you need to go to the bathroom, that's fine, but that's it. Take you between an hour and two hours to do it in Matthew. He said, start in Matthew 1.1 and don't stop till you get to Matthew 28. I thought, what is he trying to do? He was trying to get us to read the whole book in the context of what he was saying. And it was amazing how out of context you can get scriptures when you just pick one here, there, or the other. We have to read the Bible in context. Someone say amen. So the Bible can obviously give you answers to the general will of God, but it can also give you answers to the specific will of God for your life. Listen, God can speak to you through the Word. You can feel like, I'm supposed to marry this person, and God give you a scripture about it. He's not going to say marry Sarah Jane, but He will give you a scripture confirming His will. He'll give you scriptures confirming where to go to work, where to go to church, where to go to college. Listen to the scripture, last story, and I'll be done. One young lady was praying about going to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She lived in Dallas, Texas. Her and her dad met with Dr. Mark Rutland when he was still present there. He, the things that Mark Rutland had to say were so clear to her, so clear to, to them as a family. He said, what do you want to do? She said, I want to, I want to speak and I want to write books. He said, great. He said, what are you going to do to prepare yourself for that? When they got done with the conversation, the father on the way home said, hey, what do you think about that? He, she said, I, you know, I, it sounds good. I, I think I'm going to go. He said, well, that's not good enough. He said, you need to hear from God. Because in about two months, you're going to have two papers due and a test due. And maybe a friend shuns you. And you may not feel like you're supposed to be at ORU anymore. He said, you need to go in the prayer closet and hear from God. So she did. She spent a couple of days praying in the prayer closet. She came out and she said, Dad, I've heard from God. She said, here are four things I wrote down. She said, number one, ORU is an open door. It's an open door for me to go. She said, number two, she thought about Dr. Rutland. She remembered 1 Corinthians where it said that you, a trumpet can be out of tune. But she said it was, his, his speaking to me was so clear, it was like a trumpet went off in me. She wrote down number three, I think I'm supposed to go up to Tulsa. But then what's supposed to happen next? And then fourth, this statement came to her in her mind and she wrote it down. She said, I'm going to give you a revelation that on the fourth will be the first of many new things for you. Now, it was the spring semester coming up, and if she went, she had to be there on the 4th. She remembered God needed to give her a scripture, and in the statement, she saw the word revelation. She saw the word 4. She saw the, the number 1. And remember, she said it was an open door. It was clear like a trumpet. She would go up, but then what would happen next? And then she had the statement. So she thought, Revelation 4.1, could it really be that simple? Revelation 4.1, look what it says. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. How many of you think that was very clear for her to go to Oral Roberts University? The same way that God made it very clear when he told me what to do. About leaving the youth ministry and going to pastor. 1 Samuel 16. This is what I want you to do. Listen. We need to hear from God. But the number one way we hear from God is His Word. He will give us a Word. How many of you need to hear from God right now? 
Let me see a show of hands. How many of you need to hear from? Here's what I want you to do. This is nothing bashful. We all need to hear from God in some area. If you need to hear from God, I want you to stand to your feet. It may be some question in your life. It may, there may be something. God will speak to you. Notice, notice that God spoke to me, then he gave me word to confirm it, to back it up and say, yes, this is. He, he gave a word to that young lady and uh, spoke to her. And then he gave her the word, the scripture. God will do that for you and I. We don't have to guess. God will speak. Here's what I want you to do. For those of you that are maybe not saying, here's what I want. I want you to find somebody and I want you to face them. I want you to grab them by the hand. We're going to pray for each other this morning. I want you to grab somebody by the hand, face them. Find somebody that you just that needs prayer. Just, just move around the sanctuary, if you will. Come on, everybody. Everybody stand up. I want you to find somebody. We're going to, the body heals the body. We're going to pray for one another this morning. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the only prayer I want you to do. I just want you to pray whether they stood or not. It's okay. I just want you to pray. God, speak to this brother or sister. Whichever one it is. Sisters, pray with sisters. Brothers with brothers if possible. And just pray. God, speak to them. Make your word very clear to them. Make it, make it, make it as obvious as a nose on their face. You still speak today. and You still speak to us today. You speak to us through the word. Come on, church, begin to pray for one another. And then if they have a need for prayer, just say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm sick or my faith is weak. Whatever it is, let's pray while they worship.